Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is my friend, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings, indeed. Ben might sound a little tired, as do I, because we just came from the show floor in the New York Auto Show. Ben, what do you think of that show? Well, I know what you think of that show. I think you think it's ridiculous to have an auto show in a city that hates cars. Uh, I definitely do feel that way. I, I think New York is a difficult city to, to get around in um, if via you're dr- car. If you're driving, yeah, yeah. Yeah, via car. I think there's plenty of other alternatives to get around the city, and um, I just don't see why an, uh, a, an auto show there makes any sense. Other than the fact that there's a lot of – there's probably a lot of foot traffic. Well, yeah, and you know it's kind of interesting that we have this city that is essentially post-car because there are too many cars. So there's so many cars in the city that it's created a critical mass that makes each of those cars impossible to use uh, as intended. It really is. I mean, I had to drive through the city as part of a Nissan Micra program. Um, For some of our U.S. listeners, the Micra is a small, very affordable car that is only available in Canada. And uh, we had a couple of them in uh, New York to showcase the merits of having such a small car in a big city. And let me tell you, for whatever reason, this plan did not work, mainly because <laughs> I think it's impossible to drive through New York without some kind of, I don't know, stress relief in the car. Uh, well, we won't get into the details really of what that stress relief might have been for you and your drive partner. <laughs> but uh, I know that there there was a lot going on at the show. Regardless of the fact of whether the show makes sense or not, there are it is a fairly important show on the calendar. It's kind of the last show of the year in uh, North America until um, L.A. in November, I believe. Um, and that leaves the summer wide open for uh, car companies to come up with even more impressive ways to introduce us to their products. I'm not sure, though, that they could come up with something uh, crazier than what happened with the Dodge Demon um, this week in, in New York. What do you think, Sammy? Well, they stretched out the reveal process of the Demon over 15 teasers um, before the auto show, and it was re- I, was te- I was really tired of the car by the time it showed up, and I just wanted to know uh, how much it would cost uh, how much power it would make, and whether or not it's uh, it's going to be that much better than a Hellcat. And you know what? Um, okay, cool. It makes up to 840 horsepower when equipped properly, and uh, can do a zero to sixty time in what 2.3 seconds? Yeah, on a VHT prepared surface though, and at a hundred on using a hundred octane fuel, which means you have to buy the direct connection uh, uh, accessory box from Mopar to allow you to run the 100-octane tune in the car. Uh, on street uh, uh, street gas, or street gas, at, at like 93-octane, it's something like 800, just over 800 horsepower, and uh, you're looking at still an impressive quarter-mile time of under 10 seconds, but again, traction is really the is really what makes this car go. But I want to talk more about the, the uh, unveil of the car, because this is something I think, they, they did live stream it, but um, it, to see it in person, I mean, we were sitting in, in this warehouse building, and it was a pretty cool setup, and they had this giant cage uh, off to one side, and they had a big screen and 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 a, and a drag strip set up inside, and they brought out Wiz Khalifa um, to present him with the keys to essentially a Dodge Charger Hellcat. So it was to thank him for the fact that he he remember in Fast and Furious Seven when Paul Walker died, and it was really sad. And well, then, he didn't die in the movie. Yeah, well, he but he died just just before or during the movie, okay. and um, to profit off of his death, 
Wiz Khalifa released a song that was about uh, seeing someone again in heaven or or hell or wherever it is you end up when you're Paul Walker. I'd like to think he's in a in a in a really chill place with a lot of gnarly waves. But um, anyway, they, yeah, they, to celebrate to celebrate his the success of that song, they gave him this Charger Hellcat. Well, it, well, it was weird. They brought him up in front of every. He never said anything. He said maybe two words. They brought him up in front of everybody, and they're like, hey, your song has done really well. It was streamed six billion times, and it's like this, the, the highest viewed video on YouTube, apparently, or is very close to that. And at no point did they mention Paul Walker, like at all. They never, oh, ever weird. once talked about it. This song, it, that's what really weirded me. I was, this song is only popular because he died. <laughs> like and, to commemorate, to, to, to like remember Paul Walker. Like I'm sure this song would have been somewhat of a success without him, you know, being killed in a fiery car accident. But it probably would not have achieved the level that it has achieved without that. But they didn't say anything. And then they gave him the keys to this Charger Hellcat. And I'm like, why not give him a demon? Like, you're, you're here to... Is this, does Wiz not rate a demon? Does he not... Does he need four doors? Is that the big thing? Like, he's like, I only ride in the back, so I don't want... <laughs> I don't want a demon. It was just strange. And then... So they did this thing. He went and sat down. And then they did this thing where... Like, they lifted the cage and just shook it around, and there was, like, a creature inside, the demon creature, and they had, like, a big multimedia presentation. It was pretty cool. And then A big multimedia presentation. Yeah, that like... Sounded, that doesn't sound very cool. The cage turned into a screen with a creature inside, and it was drinking this green goo. And then, like, <laughs> there was a whole bunch of explosions, and then the car came out, and then there was a burnout and more explosions, and then... It did like a pass down the drag strip, and there was all this fire everywhere. And then Vin Diesel came out <laughs> okay. and told so it was it's like Fast and the Furious Live. Kind of, it was, and and he told us that he's like now a spokesman for Dodge, and like they played his commercial, and he talked about the Brotherhood of Muscle, which kind of sounds like a gym. The name of a gym that was probably, you know, copyrighted back in the late 80s by the WWE. Uh, or maybe it was a WWE uh, tag team partnership. Yeah, for sure. The Brotherhood of Muscle. Anyway, it's Vin Diesel's thing now. And I was I was so close to him for the first time in my life. Like, literally 10 feet away. And he, he smelled like heaven, Sammy. He was just... Really? Yeah, he was, he was, he was well-dressed and well-coiffed and... I had a I had a fanboy moment, but it was just it was such an over the top thing. And then then Wiz Khalifa did like a DJ set where he dropped all sorts of great tracks from like the 80s and 90s, mostly dance stuff, MJ, some rap. It was it was it was nice. a fun event. MJ, I missed it. And then the rest of the show was downhill from there. Yeah, it seems like it really does seem like the demon made the biggest impact at the show um, because I can't think of uh, any particularly memorable car of the of the New York Auto Show. There was a lot of weird things that happened and a lot of things that I don't quite, quite make sense. I mean, the first thing that I noticed or saw was um, the Nissan booth. And uh, I don't know how, how you feel about uh, Nissan, but uh, I don't know what, I don't know what they're planning. I don't know what they're, I don't know what their long-term future is all about because all they have at their booth is a bunch of Star Wars themed um, cars and a Rogue with some, with some snowmobile tracks on it that can now go in the sand. And uh, I think there was a dog-focused rogue there as well. Dog rogue, um, rogue dog. Rogue dog. Again, yeah. WWE tag team rogue dogs. Yes, the rogue <laughs> dogs. And the road warrior. Or um, the rogue warrior, yes. Well, and, um, I, 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 think, I, I, don't, I think Nissan might just be between products right now. I do agree that the Star Wars thing, though, is kind of getting played out. Um, 
a lot of the stuff that shows up at these shows isn't necessarily for us as journalists. It's for people who are going to be entertained when they come to the show to see cars, like, you know, people who actually buy these cars. Um, but it's it's definitely feels like we're locked in an endless cycle of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, movies are just coming out. Like, it's, it's, it's like somebody turned on the faucet and they're like, you know yeah. what? It doesn't matter. Just put Star Wars on it. It's it's like these movies are like lunch pails, like a plastic yeah. lunch pail with a, a Star Wars sticker. So now we're getting a lot of. It, it, a while ago, a few years ago, it was zombies. It was uh, Hyundai was on the big zombie kick with all of its uh, show cars. We had a lot of zombie survival and stuff. Then, so. And then that got played out. Yeah. But uh, Nissan showed us two new two new things. Um, the Nissan GTR uh, Track Edition and wait, 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 a minute, new... wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. So. Does that mean that the other GTRs, they're not, you can't take them on the track? Yeah, those are the not, they're going to be rebadged. They sh- should be rebadged the non track version. Street, street edition? The street version. Street Gar- edition. Yeah. Garage edition? Cars, <laughs> yeah, hard, cars hard and park. coffee edition? Hard parked. Exactly. Hard parked stance edition? Yeah, I like And uh, they're probably much more fuel efficient than whatever this thing is. Dino edition. <laughs> Dino edition. Yeah, I feel I feel really like confused um, because they have a, a, a range topping Nissan Motorsports division model, the Nismo three, uh, the Nismo GTR, um, which makes a 600 horsepower or something, something really ridiculous. And it's it is stiff. crazy. It is a crazy street car. It's super stiff and it's kind of expensive, but uh, like that's the hard. It's a fan, from what I understand, it's a fantastic little car to, to put on the track, right? Um, and then you've got normal GTRs, which have a little less horsepower. They make three, I mean, 565 or 575 or something like that. Um, and they're pretty cool cars, too. They're very fast. And um, I don't understand why somebody would, you know, if you want to take your GTR on a track, you'd probably get the best track version of the car, not this in-between of a normal GTR and the Nismo, I don't know. Um, well, and, and there's also the the new 370Z, right? Which is not a new at all. It's it's called the uh, the Heritage Edition, which apparently means yellow with stickers. Um, the and, Heritage uh, Edition makes no sense in the fact that it's commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Z, and it hasn't been 50 years yet. <laughs> it's true. The first the first Zs were built in 1969, and I believe they came to the U.S. in 1970. So it's it's a little weird. Like but, two or three years off. Yeah, but the the biggest problem I think with the car is it just shows that, and and Nissan said this at the show is they don't have any future plans for the car. Um, there's no Z successor on the way that they're willing to talk about. And I don't blame them because no one buys it because no one buys sports cars, uh, especially sports cars at the price point of the Z, which is much more affordable than it used to be. But for a while, it was about $10,000 more expensive than it is now. And it was hard hard up against the Corvette and other faster cars um, to to generate interest. But, uh, I, you know, there, there were some cars that I thought were pretty interesting at the show. Um, there's the, finally we got the Trackhawk, the, the, Jeep Cherokee the Jeep, Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Yes, Grand and Cherokee. it does 180 miles an hour. It does zero to 60 in some insane number. I think it's in three and a half seconds, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has the 707 horsepower engine from the Hellcat. It, it, they stuffed it under the hood. They made it, they made it fit underneath that hood. They got all the cooling to work. They found an all wheel drive system. Why, why do I need all of this? Because in what hurry and what? World is 707 horsepower and that fat and that much speed in a in a 5,000. I don't even know if it's 5,000. 4,000 pounds. It's 5,000 pounds. Yeah. What is when is that necessary? When is that a thing that needs to be done? 
how many buyers of this car are going, you know, I'd get one of these, but if only it had seven, no, 707 horsepower. It, well, it I mean, you definitely can make, need 707. You can make the same argument about the Porsche Cayenne Turbo S, except in this case, you have it's uh, presumably a much more affordable car and um, with even more power. It's, it's, it's an apex predator kind of thing. People buy it because they want to be able to say that they have it. And it's, I'm sure, I love the SRT version of the Jeep. It's it's pretty bonkers on its own. So this one's going to be even crazier to drive. Um, and, and kudos to Jeep and Chrysler for, once again, uh, not spending a lot of money, but making a really cool product that's going to get them a lot of attention. And that's an older platform. It's a platform that's um, not particularly different than it was, you know, a few years ago. And it's being, it's, it's, it's being gradually evolved. And they're they're doing what they can with what they have to create new products. I'm I'm really disappointed. I mean I I mean I want to see new disappointed. things. Disappointed. What, what did see, you? I want to see things that make a difference, things that that matter to people. And I don't think a 707 horsepower. We're not going to change the way um, transportation or the automotive industry works by just cramming a bajillion horsepower in ancient products. It's so it's so. Backwards. It's so well, Jeep is not in the business of changing the automotive industry. They're in the business of making money. <laughs> yeah. And, and the so. and the, the trackhawk is going to make a lot of money. They'll they'll sell every single trackhawk they build. What have you, you know, done? To, what have you done to change the uh, the auto industry, Sammy? Well, let's, let's turn that question around. We'll get to that another time, another 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 podcast, I think. But you know, my my contributions aren't that aren't that sad. Come on. Um, I want to talk to you about this Toyota concept that showed up, the FT4X concept. Now, here's a cute little thing um, that looks like it could be a serious off-roader. And then when you pay attention a little bit closer, uh, you realize that you've been duped and uh, they pull, the Toyota pulled the old switcheroo on you. You know, um, if, if, you, if, if you look at it, even, even you don't even have to look that closely to realize that it's essentially a Honda element with a Toyota badge. Yep, 100%. It's uh, actually based on the uh, Toyota Next Generation architecture, which means it's built on the same platform that makes up the new CHR and the Toyota, the Toyota, Toyota. Uh, Prius. Um, Toyota I, Prius. I want to I want to quote a few a few facts about the Toyota FTX concept from the Toyota FTX concept fact sheet that uh, that came with it when they unveiled it. So this vehicle is for millennial-aged professionals confined to city limits, oftentimes whose getaways are unplanned and are of the casual, less extreme kind. No time for summoning a mountain. A drive to a scenic point will do instead. So this car, it, it's for, let's say you want to do something really cool, but then you're like, I don't really have time to do something really cool. How about we do something that's not that cool but is attainable? And all your friends go, eh, okay. And then you get into the 4TX and you go do it. I mean, honestly, as a as a millennial, that is 100% my life. It just <laughs> compromises on compromises on cool things by doing the next cool thing uh, related to that thing. Basically, I just want to go and check in on the on the place on Instagram or uh, or Facebook. Well, I just that's don't have time to you know. <laughs> and I think there's a there's a name for what you do, Sammy. It's it's uh, according to Toyota, the FT4X is a seamless conduit of popular casual core rather than hardcore outings. Right, so, right. Because honestly, I'm I'm not I'm way too soft as a millennial. I'm just way too soft and fragile for hardcore. But uh, I'm, I think I'm a little bit I'm a little bit more uh, passionate than softcore 
So I will say that casual core is just right in the middle for me. I can't wait for for casual core to enter our lives in more in more aspects. It's funny because like normally I've heard things like norm core, which is people who reject um, uh, anything interesting or exciting in favor of like you know what would be considered boring ways of dress or forms of entertainment. But Toyota really goes goes in all in on casual core because they talk about it as a shift from multi-day extreme high effort excursions to brief unplanned casual adventures. Uh, that's, to me, that's both of those things sound like something I'd find on Craigslist, <laughs> but <laughs> apparently they're the overwhelming reality for Generation Y, because millennials are found fond of the outdoors, but operate almost exclusively indoors. <laughs> Is that what they wrote? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So th- that's like, I-, I don't even understand. That's like saying you're fond of veganism, but eat almost exclusively meat. <laughs> like well, it's, I mean, it's, it's not a meaningful of... sentence at all. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's because Toyota saw that the all these high horsepower, uh, environment destroying cars from Dodge and Jeep are out there. And they know that millennials are smart. They're going to get their surgical masks and they're going to stay inside um, and-, and-, and hang out in their tiny little cute cars that uh, are not designed to go into into the dangerous um, other world that uh, the, the hardcore go to. <laughs> they enjoy they enjoy venturing into new neighborhoods and national parks, but hardly plan ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not from the press release. It's 100%. Their adventures begin curbside in a parking structure or in the depths of an underground garage. <laughs> I have to write a story on this. How many this is... times does does Toyota throw mad shade on millennials? <laughs> it's so true. It's just this is like a casual diss to, to millennials. This the, entire way. Four X is an entire. It's a diss track in car form. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Easy E was gonna pop out of the back of the FD Four X like the reanimated corpse of Easy E, and he was gonna drop some knowledge bombs on everyone in the audience about how terrible millennials are. And how they don't deserve this vehicle, but they're going to buy it anyway. Well, I mean, honestly, why didn't Toyota go through that? You know why? It's because it's too hard to hard, hardcore to reanimate the dead. And they probably just got a hologram instead. Yeah, just make because, a hologram. Yeah, that's more casual. <laughs> why not? And then make it tiny so I don't have to leave my house and my phone can project it. Exactly. Nailed it. See, that's convenient. I like that. <laughs> um, on the other end of that spectrum, uh, here's something that's... I guess also kind of casual core if we're going to continue using that term. What do you think of something called the Lincoln Navigator? Well, I, you know, back when it first came out, I liked the Navigator. And then they kind of let it die on the vine. And for a number of years, it just kind of sat in the showrooms and sold based on momentum alone. Um, And recent models really weren't that good. I, I drove them back to back with uh, the Escalade and the QX80, and uh, there was really no reason to buy a Navigator. Um, but now there's a new one. And but we now saw there it in is New York. a new one. I, I'm, in, I'm liking what I hear about this new one, and I think you will too. This one has a twin-turbo V6 engine that makes 450 horsepower, a 10-speed automatic transmission, so you know that it's, it's not just relying on that brute power of the, of the engine to keep it going. It also has some, maybe some fuel efficiency in, in, baked in there as well. Uh, it's also lighter than the old one, 200 pounds lighter, which isn't, um, which isn't an unrelevant number of pounds to lose. Irrelevant. Unrelevant. Un- unrelevant. Yes, I'm, I'm also a millennial, and I like to make up words. Um, <laughs> irrelevant uh, amount of, of weight to lose. And... Um, it's not an ugly car. Well, you know, you're right. You're right about all that. Uh, we'll, we'll see if people are still interested. I mean, 
like we we talked about with the Continental, it's uh, it's not that it's a bad car. It's just that is there a market for it? And I think there's definitely a market for SUVs, although the large SUVs don't sell as strongly as the midsize and the compact. So um, if this gives Lincoln a, a nice one-two punch with the MKC, which is pretty great, and the Navigator, which could be good, then, then kudos to them. Um, there was another SUV at the event, though, at New York Auto Show that I think is even more important than the Navigator, and that's the Subaru Ascent concept. Mm, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you on that. Do you mind selling me on this? Because Subaru has already tried to make a three-row crossover a couple of years ago with something called the Tribeca, and that did not work so well. Um, and I had a chance to talk to some Subaru people about why that was the case, why the old one uh, failed and why this new one well, might not. The old but... one, the old one, it was several, many years ago. Um, it was a different time for Subaru. Subaru has essentially tripled its sales in the last seven years. Mm-hmm. There's no other car company that's done that. Uh, they're selling over 600,000 units a year, which is insane for a tiny car company. But yeah, when the for first... independent for an independent car company, yeah. Well, they're not entirely independent. I mean, they are owned in part by um, a few other uh, industrial concerns. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're they are a small company in terms of their production capacity. The the problem for for Subaru is that they have a great array of SUVs as long as you only want to seat five people. Right. And what they were finding was that people eventually outgrew the brand in the sense that if they had a larger family, there was nothing in the showroom for them. They'd have to go somewhere else. There's no three-row option from Subaru. And they had tried to address this, as you pointed out, many years ago with something called the, the B9 Tribeca, later just the Tribeca, which was kind of weird looking, but more to the point, it wasn't very big inside. It and, wasn't... and it was expensive. Yeah, so not a very competitive vehicle to begin with. Um, the kind of car that was, it was something very different for Subaru, and I don't think that the market was ready for it at the time, but I think that clearly now people are obsessed with SUVs. The, this Ascent concept, it's huge. It's, it looks enormous. It's probably going to be toned down a little bit because we all know how good Subaru is at not bringing their concepts to market. Uh, remember the WRX that, that we were so excited about? And, and actually, I think that was in New York uh, three or four years ago. And then we ended up getting a much more subdued version. But if it, if it's anywhere close to what we saw, I think they, they're going to sell a lot of them. Because finally, there's going to be an outlet for everyone who wanted a bigger Subaru. And then there's going to be something to tempt people away from other brands. Uh, right, I agree with you. Um, I think this could be a hit for them. They need to do it right. And I think Subaru has proven that they um, know how to deliver a car now. Uh, and they also have a very a much more consistent brand identity um, and a lineup that's um, that's very thorough from the from the bottom end to the top end of the of the segment. I think this can work out pretty pretty well. Um, on the other hand, I was hoping for something special from Acura, and I don't know why I keep setting myself up for disappointment, but um, <laughs> instead they gave me a car called the TLX. Um, and they've already had the TLX, and we already know the TLX pretty well. But um, they gave us a new one, which looks a little bit different, and um, doesn't. And that's it. It doesn't really look. It's, there, there's no significant part of this car that needs to stand out, and that's what well, Acura needs right now. Is they need something that's special. And well, it was just a refresh, though. I mean, the, you know, they they're not at the point in the cycle where they're going to give a, get an all new TLX. TLX is not all that old. Well, we've seen Honda and Acura refresh, or sorry, redo cars when they get it wrong. Uh, they did that with the seven, with the um, Civic, the ninth generation Civic, I believe. Yes, and because that they got that very wrong. 
but that's and, a rarity. And I think this TLX is and the ILX, uh, and, and in fact, there's so many. There's so all of their cars are completely <laughs> all of their cars, not their SUVs, because I think the MDX is pretty okay, um, and I think the RDX is a is a is a passable vehicle in its segment. Um, but I think their cars are completely uh, glossed over. They're in the shadows of some really bigger, more important, special cars from other automakers, and. I don't know what they're doing to to make that better. The new TLX does not look like they've learned any lesson from the rest of their cars or their competitors. Well, harsh words on the TLX from uh, from Sammy Hajisad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there. So you know, uh, as part of the as part of the festivities, Dodge was pretty excited about the Demon coming out, and um, uh, part of that excitement has to do with the fact that they're involved with the Fast and the Furious franchise of films. They actually, uh, I, I attended a, a screening of the new movie on Tuesday, and there was a, a representative from Universal there who said that they didn't think they could do these movies without Dodge's participation, because I'm sure that there's a huge amount of logistical support, vehicular support, and um, probably some financial greasing of the palms to get their cars in the movies. Um, and I saw the movie, and, uh, you know, I'm a huge, I was a huge Fast and Furious fan. I love the first three movies about car culture and you know street racing and all that fun stuff and but by this point the films are essentially completely absurd over the top action movies that occasionally have cars in them and that the the this this is the eighth installment in the franchise sammy and i you know it's so strange to see the u.s government relying on a team of former street racers turned superheroes to fight international crime at a level that you know Delta Force commandos probably couldn't achieve uh, with with a similar level of success, and the new movie just—I mean, I think I might be done with the franchise. You really think it's that bad? Um, yeah. Is, that, I, is it is it that bad because it's completely uh, unbelievable? Because there's not enough racing? Because there's it's just very cliche? What's what's killing it for you? Because I think uh, the first three movies had a lot of racing in them but they're thoroughly the most um polarizing movies of the of the series um either you like them or you don't but i think the following ones were much more action oriented um really over the top not as much racing and um they also brought in some some big stars for those movies and um i think as a as a whole as a general audience started enjoying them um a little bit more well, for sure. I mean, that, that's that's the thing. It, they they stopped becoming movies about car culture, which I care about, and they became giant action extravaganzas, which I don't care about. And I think by now, I mean, the seventh film, it, it was pretty clear, but by the eighth film, it's crystal clear that th these are no longer movies about cars. It, and I I think I'm dropping out of the the Fast and the Furious franchise as much love and respect as I have for for the idea. It's just. There's nothing there for me anymore. I, I don't care about giant explosions. I don't care about a guy blowing a sub up with a with a challenger on an ice pack. I I don't care about guys firing machine guns everywhere. It's you know this guy started Vin Diesel's character Dominic Toretto started out hijacking trailers filled with DVD players and, and selling those on the black market and now he's he has the ability to take on uh, multinational army forces with pretty much no training whatsoever it's 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 absurd at best and uh, i i just don't want to be a part of it anymore um that's 
too bad. I mean, you, you don't understand. I, I don't think you're 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 seeing a very strong character arc and, and a progression in the world that Dominic Toretto, Vin Diesel's character, uh, is portraying. I mean, not everyone. I mean, where did you start off? And now look at where you are. I mean, not everyone just stays in the same, you know, career lifestyle. And 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 you know, he's obviously set his eyes on on bigger things. He wanted to be a a, a global either hero, badass, or or villain. And uh, he set out and achieved that. And I think the the, no. the movie series really, really ties it up nicely. <laughs> no, I think – see, I think you're wrong about that. I don't think that any of Vin Diesel's character's accomplishments have anything to do with what he desires. And in every single film where he does these crazy over-the-top superhero antics, he's coerced into doing it by someone else or some series of events, either because his uh, his love of his life was, like, kidnapped and brainwashed – or in the case of the of the new movies, spoiler alert, something oh no. really bad something really bad involving his family happens and he's forced to do something he doesn't want to do. Or someone, you know, uh, the, it, it, it's just there's there's no every every single contrivance to get him involved in the plot. It's not because he wanted to be there. It's because he had to be there because he was being pressured. It's not like he woke up one day and was like, you know what? I'm going to be a commando. It was like, no, you know what? I'm on the run because I did a bunch of, you know, illegal shit. And um, now, uh, well, my life's not really turning out how I wanted it to be. And they blew up my house in L.A. anyway. So what am I going to do? Yeah, that makes sense, too. Uh, I can see that being a major part of the show, the movie. But uh, you know what? He, he really turned out OK, I think. And <laughs> Do you think, though, that this is um, then will you still you won't watch The Fast and the Furious? Will you watch? Um, what is your? What's, where are you gonna get your your Hollywood car fix? Well, there's there's barely any cars in the movies to begin with. It's, I don't want to see like them walk into a garage. There's some exotic cars, and they go, "Wow, this is cool!" And then they drive them, and something blows up. That's that's really not car culture to me. Uh, I don't see a difference between the current Fast and Furious franchise and the Transformers franchise. It is there's nothing. I mean, what what is the 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 differential between those two things? Well, first of all, the Transformers franchise uh, has its roots in a wonderful cartoon that we all watched <laughs> as kids. Uh, so there's a lot of sentimental value there. Um, I don't know where the you're right. The 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 same, but the same sen- it it while the roots of I think Transformers is in this childhood television show that we watched. Um, it's the same way that um, Hollywood is using your your light your love of cars to get you into the movie theater to watch something that has nothing to do with. Uh, cars, just like we loved this Transformers cartoon, which was, um, which had some messages in it as well. But now we just watch robots slicing each other up with swords, which makes no sense. Yeah, we we went from car movies about car culture to heist movies that occasionally have cars involved. Right. Um. Yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting um way to look at it. We're just being fed uh, explosions, and we're it's all a distraction to know that. Uh, while World War Three happens, or our bank accounts all get drained. Also, in the new movie, um, <laughs> the guy who killed Han, yeah. who is you know one of the best characters in the entire franchise, teams up with everybody else, and everyone is totally cool with that. <laughs> yeah. Do they all know that he kills Han, or is it oh, just yeah, the everybody, one character? Everybody knows. Yeah, that's weird. Do yeah, they address it at all? Nope. That can't be true. Nope. Not a single word. You will not hear Han's name. Now, in in one of the former movies, Han had a a, uh, a love, love interest with somebody else in the in the crew. Isn't that true? Yes, but she died in the seventh movie. Remember? 
no, see, I obviously don't, but so that also, so there's no one there to be like, hey, you killed that guy that I really, really like. I mean, I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline at this point, but I'm pretty sure she's dead by this movie happening. Okay. Well, I can see that happen. I could be like, well, you know, he's dead now. What else can we, what can we do? <laughs> <laughs> they just moved on. They just moved on. Right. Now, so is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today? Um, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, I wanted to talk to you about the New York Auto Show. That happened. Uh, you wanted to talk to me about uh, the fate of the Furious. And I think that was about it. They, we have some interesting um, cars coming up. Actually, I don't. I have the Subaru Forester I'm going to be driving next week. I'm going to be comparing that to a Honda CRV to get a better understanding of apparently what nobody in this industry want, or in this market wants because everyone just wants really high horsepower things, as I've learned from the New York Auto Show. <laughs> Well, next week I am going to do something a little unusual. Um, I'm going to go to British Columbia and I'm going to photograph a junkyard because roadkill. <laughs> is it, wait, you, is the junkyard uh, the junkyard might be have really high uh, resale value or property it might, value? Um, I can tell you more about it when I come back, but uh, there is an investment opportunity out there for anyone who's looking to buy a junkyard with a whole bunch of land, over 300 cars, and a whole bunch of buildings. And they just want to re if they want to retire there, if they want to make a business out of it, uh, I, I can tell you more when I get back and I, I find out more myself. Fantastic. I can't wait to see this new movie next um, next week, uh, this movie that you've been ragging on this entire time. So I'm going to watch that and see how, whether or not uh, I agree or disagree with what you say about it. Um, and that's it for me. I will see you and talk to you next week. Does that sound like that's a good idea? That's right. And um, if any of you are curious about listening to any of our other podcasts or subscribing, there's a lot of ways you can do that. You can um, go to iTunes or Google Play Music and find us by searching for Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Or you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, which takes you right to SoundCloud, which is where we host everything. And if you want to get, get with us uh, on Twitter, Sammy, how would they do that? You can reach um, Ben and I directly on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha. And um, that sounds like you're laughing at me. It's actually the two letters, H and A, uh, Sammy underscore ha. And um, you can reach Ben at, at Hunting Benjamin. Um, and if you don't like Twitter, you don't find it to be all of that, all that friendly. Uh, you can also find the Unnamed Automotive Podcast on Facebook. Just search for that and you'll find our Facebook page and you can like that. You can follow along as we take you on all the adventures that we go on. So until then, uh, we will talk to you next week and have a great one. Have a good one. Bye.